Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Listen, I I, want to speak to you today um, a little bit around this idea of, I've entitled the message, Raise Them Up. Raise them up. Now, let me me give a little context because um, I'm going to be speaking to dads today, but the principles apply relationally. Uh, So whether you're a mom, uh, single parent mom, I think there's, there's a grace for you to stand in the gap right now in fulfilling both roles. Single dads, there's a grace for you. Uh, to, to, uh, to, to live and to parent in the gap um, without having the other uh, apart or there. Um, and so I just, no matter where you're at, maybe you're, you're a guardian, maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a grandmother, um, this message is for you. Maybe you're a brother, you're a sister. Um, basically what I'm trying to say is this message is for all of us, all right? So don't check out like, oh, he's talking to dads today. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I believe that God wants to speak something very specific yeah. To you. Does that sound good? And happy Father's Day to my dad is in the house. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Give some love. I can never grow a beard like that, but I love and honor yours. Uh, let, let me pray with you, Father, as we dive in today. I just pray, God, that you speak to our hearts in a very real way, that you would change us from the inside out. I pray, God, that you would just awaken our hearts today to the reality of what you want to show us. And uh, we need you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, I want to point your attention back to the Civil War. There's this man by the name of General McCullen. Now, General McCullen was appointed by Abraham Lincoln. He was considered to be one of the greatest military minds to ever live. Um, He lived in such a way where they called him a young Napoleon. He was smart, uh, he was intuitive, and he just understood war. So at this particular time, the the Union was kind of discouraged. Uh, They were having a hard time recruiting troops. And so Abraham Lincoln brought this guy on, and that was really his, he he had a knack for recruiting. He had a niche to to get people involved. In fact, it was in 1861 when he first took uh, this position, and within four months, he grew the army over 300%, which was huge. I mean, so the Union kind of got to boost the morale, and they outnumbered the Confederate Army two to one. So now, I mean, this guy has the experience, he has the brains, he has the brilliance, and now he has an army that he's called to lead. The, the only downside about this guy was that he never liked to engage in the battle, meaning he, he would plan, he would plot, he would strategize. I mean, great strategies. But when it came time to actually engage in the fight, he was always reluctant. In fact, it was said that that he always overestimated the enemy. And so I don't know if that put him in a place of fear, in a place of suspicion, but whatever it did, it led to, to a place where there was no movement. It led to a place where he was stagnant. In fact, there was a, a general uh, from the Confederate Army, General Lee, was uh, probably only about four or five miles away, set up camp. Well, they got wind of it, and Abraham Lincoln came and said, hey, this is our chance. We got the best strategy. We got the manpower. Like, let's go take these guys out in one foul swoop. And General McCullen refused to engage, refused to engage. So how many of you guys know Abraham Lincoln, after about a year of that, he's like, nah, you're probably not the guy. Super smart, but you're not the guy. And so, so what did he do? He hired a man that had half his skill, half his talent, um, half of the resume, yet he would go to war in flip-flops, and his name was Ulysses S. Grant. And so this guy was half of everything, but he was always ready to engage. So I think it's a little bit amazing and confusing that a war general can spend so much time with the data, with the facts, with the plotting, with the strategizing, but yet never engaging in the fight. And so I would propose to you today that that we are facing or we are in a battle for this next generation that's coming up. Well, what do I mean by that? I'm not not talking about a battle that's flesh and blood. Paul makes it very clear in the scripture that our battle is not against flesh and blood as much as we would like it to be sometimes, right? We love to point the finger here and point the finger there, but 
what, where we're really wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Against, it's against principalities and wickedness in heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle, even though it does manifest in the flesh. It does manifest in the natural. But it's real. The things that our kids are exposed to, the things that are available to our kids via technology today, the fight. There's always been a battle for the next generation. I mean, you go all the way back to, uh, to, to Egypt and Pharaoh wiping out all of the, the population, all the boys not wanting Israel to populate. Um, there's so many uh, different points throughout Scripture. When Jesus was going to be born, they, the, the king wasn't sure uh, where he was or what was going on, but he didn't want any threat to his kingdom, so he once again tried to slaughter the next, or did slaughter the next generation coming up. There's always been a battle for the next generation. And, and so, so I really want us to lean in here today because uh, we too are in a fight, but we may not see it, or we may be a little overwhelmed by it, of what these kids are facing today and what they're going to have to face tomorrow. It, it reminds me of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah's heart started to break for the people of Israel, that after being overthrown by the Babylonians and coming out of exile, their homeland was in ruins, and Nehemiah had the heart to, to rebuild what was destroyed by the Babylonian culture, an ungodly culture. And you know, this is what Nehemiah said. He said it this way. He says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. You know, I, I think the temptation today is to look out at the battle. We look out at the next generation, and it can feel overwhelming. It, it try to, like, figure out where do we start? I mean, obviously we want to start at home with our own kids. But as we look at the big picture, can I just tell you that there's never been a time where we have data there, there, there's never been a time where we have a lot more resources at our fingertips, a lot more ways to reach people. And so with that being said, this is not a time to sit down and just simply plot and strategize and know the data and be aware of everything, yet never engaging into the fight. Uh, maybe, you know, you would sit here and you say, well, I'm, man, I'm, I'm done parenting. My kids are grown. Well, you, you're still called to this fight. Because they're going to have grandkids if you don't already have them. And I know you get to pick them up and then drop them off. Oh, that's so cute. But how about we invest and make disciples of these next generation coming up? I'm just, I was just, I'm not trying to slap you in the face. I was just like, there's a point to bring them on and drop them off. But there, there's this angst inside of me that says, man, the world is, is, is just clawing tooth and nail to try to raise our kids to try to capture their hearts and their minds. And so, so on our watch, we just, can't, we just can't let that happen. Like Nehemiah, he said, man, remember the Lord who was great and awesome. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Like, like this could be in Braveheart, this can be in Gladiator, but it's in the scripture. Like, like it's not just, hey, fight. It's like, no, remember the Lord. Remember what he's able to do. Remember what he's, he's able to accomplish. Remember all that he's done. He can do it again. Even though that this next generation, it's the largest generation to ever exist. I don't know if it's ever to exist in the world, but in our generation or in our nation, it's the largest generation. And so all that means is this. The largest generation just means the largest revival. And so, so we don't want to be people that's like, oh, man, it's over. No, it's not over. Remember the Lord and fight. Get in. I'm not talking like, don't go get your bow and arrow. Like, all right, I'm ready. No, I'm talking about get your Bible. Get on your knees. And let's start to engage for this next generation. This next generation is, is called Gen Z. It's ages between four and 24. And we can talk about millennials that are before them. And then I like to think I'm a millennial, but I'm really not. Um, and uh, 74 million Gen Zers in America. Psst. 74 million. I don't know if that was in America or total. I'm like, is that, is that a real stat? I looked it up twice. One out of every four human beings on the planet makes up this next generation. That's a lot of kiddos. 
And can I just tell you, the enemy knows and the world knows that this right here is domination. We capture this, we, we rule everything. And, and I expect that from the world. Like the world, that's what the world does. I expect that from the enemy. I expect that from the devil to go after the next generation. That's what he does. But I also expect the church to stand in the gap and say, nah, we're just not going to let that happen. And it starts at home. It starts at home. Now, the stats are staggering. Uh, about four hours of screen time a day for this generation. Uh, they spend about average of five minutes a day talking to their parents. Most of it's just mechanics. Hey, did you do your homework? Get ready for school. Jump in the shower. Um, that type of stuff. And, and they're more disconnected, even though they're more connected. They're more disconnected and isolated and depressed than any other generation um, in America that, that we've known. Uh, statistically, 60% of this generation will walk away from the church after they graduate, go off to college, or go to start their career. 60%, about 2 uh, out of every three may or may not believe in God. Uh, stats show 3% read their Bibles, let alone actually know what the Word of God says. And all of this is happening right now. All of this is happening right now in, in our homes. And so, so we have an incredible youth church. We have incredible children's church. But it starts at home. Like God has given us access, all of us access at some level to the next generation. And, and this is what I, I, I want to take a weight off of you. Um, but then I also want you to feel the gravity of this, of how we need to depend upon Jesus as we think about the next generation. I sit by my kid's bed quite often, and I'm, uh, I'm struck in with this vivid reality that I will never be their savior. Like as much as I want to be, I'm their dad, but I'll never be their savior. Do you know how vulnerable that is? When I'm looking at my daughter's, and I know that there's an enemy of their soul. And I know that there's a God who desperately loves them more than me. And in the midst of that, I know that God has entrusted our kiddos to us to steward them, to train them, to raise them. But I'll never be able to save them. And so that's what just keeps our hearts dependent in the right place. That, Lord, I am, that, that changes how you pray for your kids. It changes how dependent on the Lord you are for his wisdom, for his counsel as we raise them, as we train them. Are you, are you with me on that? Um, but it is a sobering reality. And so, so I, I, want us to, I want us to capture this heart today that, that there, there's a, a generation that desperately needs the gospel and that, that we are on the verge of maybe one of the greatest revivals of all time. And many times revivals start throughout history with young people. And, then, and that's why we're so, that's why we're, man, we're in this with young people. Um, whether it's, it's, it's college-age students, whether it's our, our children's, whether, whether it's students, high school, junior high students, like we, we know that this has got to be such a key emphasis for us at our church that God has called us to invest in the next generation. Now, when we look at Jesus at this age, we don't really know much. We don't really know much. But there, there is a verse um, that that, that really kind of rings true. And uh, there's, we're, we're a part of an association called ARC, Association of Related Churches, where we plant churches together. And, and in partnership with ARC is also um, an organization call, called Orange. And they kind of base their whole children's philosophy of making disciples off of this one passage because we don't get many passages that tell us about what Jesus was like when he was a kid, but we do get this one and it packs such a huge punch. It says this, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus grew. Let me just stop there really quick. We have, we have kids today, if we're not careful, they're going to get older, but they're never going to grow up. And there, there's, there's a difference there, right? I feel like you guys responded like the best. Uh, both services, I was like, do you guys get that? Are you sure? You guys are like, yes, thank you. Uh, it's like third time's a charm. Maybe I said it better. I don't know. But, but it's, 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 it's the truth. Like, like you could be on a job for 20 years and only have one year experience. You know, so it's like, hey, I've been working here 20 years. Yeah, but you're still acting like you've been here six months. Right, so, so just because we're getting older doesn't mean we're actually growing up. But it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all 
the people. I, I, I love how Chris Hodges put it. He, put, he puts it like this. He says, wisdom is, it's intellectually, but it's more than intellectual. And I kind of added my own stuff here on, on the Strong's Concordance and the Bible Hub, two great resources. Uh, if you go to BibleHub.com, you ever want to look up something in the Greek? If you're wondering, like, Pastor Matt, how do you, how do you like, get some of these things in the Greek? Well, I have a software that has a lot, a lot of Greek and Hebrew. But this is a, this is a quick little Google Bible Hub. You can look up a scripture. It's, it's really good. But, but it, it means to be, it means insight. It means skill, human or divine. It means intelligence. I love how the Strong's Concordance says it means broad and full intelligence. There, there's, there's a fullness. It's not just an intellectual knowledge, but understanding the knowledge, how to take the complexity and bring it into simplicity and application. It's, it's to be able to discern. And so, so why is this so important? Well, well wisdom... Um, I, I think it really points to our minds that, man, we need to guard our minds and help our kids do the same. Because this is the world we're living in. I mean, we're getting bombarded with stuff, and so are our kids. If, we don't have, if we're not monitoring what's going on, you'd be surprised what's happening in the peripheral kind of margins of our world where things are just popping up, clicking here, showing here. I mean, there's just so much being fed. I mean, every device reads our mail now. I mean, you, you get, you talk about one thing and then that chair pops up on your feed and you're like, gosh, you know me so well, right? And sometimes we're like, thank you. And sometimes we're like, this is scary. But how many of you guys know, if that's us, how many of you guys know the next generation? Oh man, who are being trained and discipled in this world of technology, instant access. I mean, how many of you guys know it's going to be a real big challenge to guard our minds? It's, a, it's hard now. In the coming days, it's going to be even harder, but we, we have to raise them up in wisdom. they got to grow in wisdom. The second thing is stature. It's physical, but it's more than physical. It's maturity. It's age. It's years, it's size, so it's physical, but, it, but it's more than that. Now, it's not just about how tall, but it's about what's, what's being built on the inside. Like, what, what, what rhythms are we establishing in our homes? Like what, like, what are we doing on a regular basis? I know my mom brought me up going to church every Sunday. I rebelled for a long time, but that rhythm was a true north when I needed to come home. There was a discipline that was built in um, to our life. And even though my mom was tired, even though she had a long commute, there was this rhythm that was built into our life that was a discipline. We've got to develop disciplines within our, 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 our homes, within our lives, within the rhythms of our every day, right? And so, so th- th- this is huge. It's huge. I want you to ask yourself as we go through these, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to really lean into? And maybe you're not even thinking about kids. Maybe God will speak to you about something totally different. But you know that, man, there needs to be some new rhythms on the inside of your heart. Like, what is the rhythms of your home? We try to have consistent rhythms. Like, we have a family fun day I talked to you guys about last week where we're just, you know, we're, we're with our kids. Like, they just know, man, phone's off. Everything, you know, goes away. And we're just, we just hang out. We go on an adventure. We talk. We just, I mean, there's so many different things that we do. It's, it's a rhythm. It's a discipline that we have in our life to make sure that we're investing intentionally in our kids. Um, recently, um, we kind of made another adjustment because both Jackie and I, we, are, we work full time here. And so on Wednesdays, I actually, we started a new rhythm because I told Jackie this, or we kind of came to this discovery together is that we're moving into a different season of parenting you got to know the season that you're in. Because what worked last year, it's not going to work this year. The questions are different. Conversations are different. It's totally different. So like we're we're taking, so in light of all of that, during the summertime, we're like, well, hey, I'm going to give you, you have all day Wednesday, and I'm just going to take the kids, and that's going to be my day off in the week to invest. And, uh, and obviously, we'll still have you know, some time on Saturday together as a family, but, but, but it's just getting strategic and creative. That's not going to work for everybody because my schedule is not your schedule, but it's just being intentional to work some discipline so that we know that we're investing. Um, he found favor with God. And so we want our kids to grow spiritually. 
right? If there was ever a time where the divine influence upon the heart is needed, it's now. Uh, in other words, our, our kids are definitely going to need divine direction as they navigate the world that's before them. I mean, because I mean, it's it's so confusing, it's so chaotic, and they're being, you know, there's such a battle of relativism in our day. What's true for you may not be true for me. Is anything truth? How do I know it's true? How do you know? You know, there's a there's such a battle, and they're if they're not equipped to understand that there are some rebuttals to these things, then they end up falling prey and victim and don't know how to navigate. Because it's complex today, ladies and gentlemen. And there's access everywhere. Are you tracking with me? Am I, am I, are you guys like really with me? All right, cool. Um, and, then, and then favor with man is socially. This generation is so driven by relationship which is not a bad thing if they have the right relationships, right? And so, so that's what we want. We want our kids to have healthy relationships. And sometimes they need help picking out friends. You ever, you ever been that person where you're like, oh, man, my kid should not be hanging out with that kid? But then you also want to kind of pastor them and shepherd them because you can't shelter them entirely. But one of the things we do with our kids is we know our kids, right? So I know which ones can handle what. And so that's how we, when we think about school, when we think about like, I'm, I'm not just thinking about what grade are you, and I'm thinking about, do you have the character sustain, to sustain in this environment? If not, I need to figure out something, right? And so, so we, we really need to, to help our kids understand what it looks like to have healthy relationships. Now, you know, if, if there's broken relationships in your home, or if they've seen a lot of dysfunction, can I just tell you, it's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late to start and say, hey, listen, we made some mistakes, and uh, I have a rhythm of repenting to my kids um, because I make a lot of mistakes. And so it's not, it's not too late to say, hey, we kind of messed some things up. Probably messed you up a little bit. And we're so sorry. But here's how we're going to make it right. Here's how we're going to switch gears. And you'd be surprised how God can restore what the enemy has tried to take. And so, so generations of uh, the boomers... Wanted inf- it was like the information age. So if you're a boomer, you lived in the information age. All of a sudden, I remember, I remember, um, I guess this would be boomers. Well, the internet came out when I was in 12th grade. And some of you guys were like, well, I, we didn't even have computers. So I know I'm not that old. <laughs> but, but, but computers were still like a, they still were like a big box. And there was green lettering, right? super old school. And I remember my teacher was so excited. He's like, hey, class, I'm talking to somebody in Russia. And it was like this big ordeal. Now it's like, now, now your five-year-old can talk to somebody in Russia. So, so it's, I mean, we've, we've gone, we've gone very, we, we've progressed very, very quickly technologically, very advanced. We don't even know the data yet how all this is going to affect us. And so it's, it's going to be like, you're going to look back generations like they're messed up. And so now we, you know, we've learned from it and et cetera. So we just, we don't even know what's happening because of the digital explosion and, and the, the toll that it's taking on, on our lives. But that's a different, a different message. But, but, but the boomers lived in the information age where Gen Z, um, they want answers to their questions so, so it's almost like, well, you need to trust God. Tell me why. Can you prove he exists? How do you know other religions aren't true? And like, what do, like, what do we respond in those moments? Is it, well, just believe. They're like, you are ridiculous. Nobody in the modern world believes like that. Right? And so do we have... Like Peter says, are we ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us? Because they're asking different questions, and they're highly relational. They want real relationships. If it's fake, they smell it. You can fool the fool, but you can't kid a kid. They smell it. And so what do we do when a fire and an onslaught is coming for the next generation, coming for our kids? 
I'm not here to pump fear, be like, oh, it's doom and gloom. I don't think that at all. The world has always done that. The enemy has always tried to capture the next generation. So, so but the church is, is, is where we are able to stand in the gap. And what are we called to do? We're called to be salt and light in the earth, not run away from the world like, shelter, go into play, like, hi, it's Armageddon, right? No, that, that's not what we're called. We're called to respectfully engage the culture as salt and light in the earth. We want to raise our kids up in such a way where they're not like, can I come out? But they're just comfortable walking humbly with their God like Daniel in an ungodly culture, excelling in everything that they do because there's a different spirit about them. That's what I'm talking about. And so, so, so but, but, but the question is this, how do we hold the line when the fire is coming quick? I was at my, my sister-in-law's this last week and there, this, it's a huge area that almost got engulfed by by flames. How many of you guys are grateful for our first responders? Can we give it up for our first responders? If you're a first responder, I don't even have to preach this to you. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but you can see that there's a line that's drawn, and it's super precise, and it's very clear, where they said, hey, fire, you can't come any closer. We're drawing the line. And how do they draw the line? They dig a big trench they got fire retardant coming from the sky, and you got firefighters with the hose like, sorry, fire, you, you just can't, you can't crawl. We're holding the line. And so I, I was amazed because we drove around. I was like, and I looked at Jack, and I'm like, we got to look like this. I'm going to use this this week. This is, this is incredible. Look how precise these lines are. And we're driving all the way around, sometimes all the way up to the back. Like if this was the back fence, the line was like right here. Like, like even, even the fences melted a little bit because they have, these are like plastic fences, believe it or not. And it was even melted a little bit, but it was like, you can't come any closer. So how do we hold the line? And, you know, as, as the enemy comes in like a flood, like what, what does that look like? Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but I just want to point you to one passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, speaking of fathers. Now, fathers, do not exasperate your children. And all the children said, Amen. Some of the children are like, I don't even know what exasperate means, but don't do it to me. (laughs) Instead, bring them up. So instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, exasperate just means anger and frustration. Now, when I say that, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Fathers, do not make my kids angry or frustrated. Well, you might have failed this morning. Because if you really love your kids, they're going to get angry with you. And they're going to get frustrated with you if you're really pastoring them and caring for their soul. When you tell them the truth, even though it's in love, they're going to get angry. But what Paul is saying is let, there not be, let them not live with an undercurrent of constant anger and frustration. The Bible says do not let the, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? So that you don't give the enemy a foothold. When there's a subtleness of anger, exasperation, the enemy has a foothold. Now, again, it's going to be impossible not to make your children angry if you're telling them the truth. But we don't want to create a culture or an environment in our home where there's a constant anxiety, anger, and frustration that they live with. Are, are you with me on that? And so, so, and so Paul is saying there's got to be a balance between training and instruction. Let me tell you the difference. Training is discipline, firmness, enforcing, enforcing boundaries. And some of you guys are like, yes, yeah, that's what I do. And then instruction, nurturing. <laughs> this is a typo. It says concealing. Hide them. Put them away. <laughs> it's, my, it's supposed to say counseling. Sorry. Uh, I just thought it was so funny. I like cracked myself up. Put the kids away. Uh, dialogue. <laughs> Reasoning. <laughs> Listening to persuade. I, sometimes I want to conceal my kids. Um, <laughs> But you can see, you, you see the difference. And this is what I love. Like a lot of times men, we, we resonate with training. Train them up. Discipline. Not every man, but a lot of guys. But isn't it funny how Paul's like, you also got to be nurturing. And I think this is huge. And I'm not trying to make any stereotypes or anything like that. But I think there is a tendency to, to feel like, man, and I think the way that God has designed women 
there is more of a nurturing aspect. And with the guys, it's almost like, well, that's the lady's job to be nurturing. But no, it's not. It's, it's our job, too. And just like ladies, they're nurturing, but God has also called them to train and discipline. Are, are you guys with me on that? And so, so I, I just thought that was so huge as I dove into the actual word instruction just to see some of, the, some of these words that, that, that come out. And so, so there's one thing to lay down the rules all the time, uh, but we don't just want to lay down rules and set boundaries outside. We want to also win their hearts on the inside. And that's what Paul is saying. There's a time for training on the outside, but then you also instruction. There's counseling. There's, you're coming around. You want to win their hearts. And I find myself at times, it's hard sometimes to know when to do training and when to do instruction. Are, are you, does anybody ever fail at that? You walk away from a time maybe with your kids and you're like, or grandkids or whoever, and you're just like, oh man, that was really an instruction time, but I trained them. I trained them, right? And you just know I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I, I, I missed it. But it can be hard because kids can send a lot of mixed messages. You're like, what? What are you doing? I, I saw this uh, video this last week, and this, this kid he says, I'm running away. I'm leaving home. And he walks out the door and he shuts the door. And the dad's like, what? Right? And so the dad comes to the door and he's like, where are you going? It's like, you said you don't love me. You said, the dad's like, I never said I don't love you. I said, turn off the PlayStation. <laughs> and, and the kid replies, same thing, right? Like, no, it's not the same. And so, so we, it, it can be hard to know how to engage. You ready for this? Lean in if you don't know your kids. You got to know your kids. The world is spending lots of time with them. You got to know. We have to know our kids. I know all my girls are totally different. They tick differently. They feel differently. They process differently, and if I don't know that, and I, and I, like one may need training, the other may need instruction for the same circumstance. I got to know how to differentiate between that. How many of you guys know we desperately need Jesus? If you don't need Jesus in your parenting, man, God bless you, because it's just, man, it can, it can go, it, it can, it can, it can get crazy really, really quick, and it can get hurtful really, really quick. And I don't want my kids to live with a subtle anger. I don't want my kids to, to, you know, have this undercurrent of frustration. And so Paul's like, you got to learn how to balance truth and love. you got to learn the difference and how to balance between discipline and, and counsel. And, and so if you've ever seen a, a level, now, now I am not the handy guy. But sometimes I try to be. YouTube is the greatest. And I'm not even lying. Like I've changed an electrical outlet via YouTube. And some of, you guys, some of you guys are like, oh, wow, that's, that's so, so cute. But for me, hey, for me, that was a huge deal. That was a huge deal. But, but, but I do hang photo. I do hang pictures. I can do that. I'm not trying to dumb myself down. I'm just saying I know my lane. And, and I can hang pictures. <laughs> this is the funny part. If, you, if you've been to our house, you know that we hang pictures. Sometimes we don't even have photos in them. But, but they're still hanging on the wall. They got, this, they got the Walmart family. We, we had some, some students came over. They're like, who, who is this? We're like, it's the Walmart family. Uh, it's, it's just true. It's true. It's facts. And so, so I'll tell Jackie sometimes, I'll, I'll put something up because I'm the guy. I don't want to get the level. I really don't. I'm the guy that's like, let me just look at it. Let me put one on this side. Try to make it even over here, guess with the pen, like tuck a pen behind the thing. And, and then so many times it takes me about three or four holes and then we, we get somewhere, right? And so I asked Jack, I'm like, what do you think? She's like, it's crooked. I'm like, how are you? That's not crooked. Yeah, it's a little leaning on the, on the left. Like, no, it's not. And then we get the level and it's like, man, you're right. <laughs> like, dude. And so sometimes it's so easy to deceive ourselves. And to think we're doing well and we're not. Yeah. And to think we're, we're leaning in. Man, I'm loving my kids. They're like, no, you're not. And so, and so what ends up happening is this. If we over-discipline, we find out really quickly that they're not animals. They're, they're humans. Yeah. Exasperated, frustrated. If we under-discipline, they're like, man, I, I'm not called to make all these decisions. Like, 
You want me to understand all this? I don't understand. Sometimes I just need, I need you to like, tell me what to do. Yeah. I need some instruction. I need you to help me. It's not, it's not I, I, I don't understand what you're, you're trying to counsel me for three hours. But I have no clue what you're saying. I'm exasperated, frustrated, because you're trying to prove a point that I still don't understand. And so, so there's this beautiful collision of time, of touch, of affection, um, while at the same time laying some good, smart rules down, some healthy boundaries so that man, they, can, they can grow well. Are you with me? Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, continuing, says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up. So we want to train them and instruct them, but we want to bring them up. And this is cool because this bring them up, it has this, this, um, this notion of, of process, of nurturing something or, or feeding something so that it'll, it'll grow, almost like you're watering a plant. You're planting seeds, it's, it's, and then you got to nurture it to a place of health and bloom. And so it's, it's important that we got to understand that to, to raise our kids, it takes time. And that's what a lot of us are sparse from. You ever feel like your calendar's empty, but you still feel busy? You're like, dude, I don't even have to do anything today, but I still feel like I'm a mess. And it's so easy in those moments not to make the space. And so what ends up happening is we don't want to create dependence on our kids. We want to raise them up, but we don't want to create dependence. We want to make disciples. We want them to be able to function on their own in the world to make great choices, to know and discern the difference between right and wrong. But then we also, at the very same time, don't want to push them out too soon. Because either way, they're not going to feel comforted. So, so for instance, if we're going to really raise them up, we have to trust them. If we trust them, they're going to fail. And we got to be okay with letting them make mistakes. I mean, Jesus, I think about how God deals with us. Aren't you so grateful he doesn't be like, what are you doing? Again? Gosh. I'm so grateful God doesn't deal with me like that. And, and, and he reminds me when I deal with my kids like that. It's like the Holy Spirit whispers like, really? I could have did that to you five times this week. You know what I mean? But God is so gracious with us, so patient with us. And so, so we're, we're gonna, we're, they're going to fail, but failure, failure doesn't have to be fatal if, if we can instruct them and show them and help them. My daughter said this to me the other day. She said, Daddy, have you ever done that before? I was like, you have no idea what I've done. I've done a lot worse than you. I've done that. I like set the whole house on fire. You know, so... There's, there's just, there's, there's this sense that they want to know, like, are you in this with me? Like, I don't, and, it, and it, you can see the frustration or the fear, the anxiety dissipating. And so we want to raise them up. We want to raise them, raise them up. We don't want to push them out too soon though, right? Because sometimes we want to push them out because we got our own problems. So like, man, hurry up and grow so I can live my life. Like that is not good parenting. <laughs> and it's going to create a frustration, you ever, you, ever heard, uh, you ever heard somebody say, man, I had to grow up really fast? Yeah. And you can hear the frustration. Yeah. Never got to be a kid. Never had a childhood. Yeah. I just had to grow up. So I had to fend for myself. I had to fight for myself. And you can just, you can feel the angst on the inside of them. Still as a grown man or woman, there's still an undercurrent of frustration. Because what they, what, what, the reason why, if you hold them too tight, they're like, let me breathe. Frustrated. Let me fail. Let me try. Like, I have to be, you know, there, there's, there's things with my kids. Let me give you a little tip. You could probably do it a lot faster. But it's so much better with them. Like, let them try. You know, let, let, them, let them process it. Like, be patient with them. Like, there's things that sometimes my daughter wants to help with, and I'm like, oh, shoot, like, we don't have time. And I'm like, no, just slow down. Let her try. Let her fail. And it's tough. You know, and we got to be more gracious. If Jackie does it, I get to yell at her. That's, she's, she's a grown woman. So, but my kids? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I want to make sure you're awake. want to make sure you're awake. I want to make sure we're on the same page. Just kidding. She's not in the building. Um, it's a lesson for you men. Um, but but if, we, if we push them out too soon, they'll get frustrated because they're not going to feel covered. It's like my, my mom and dad don't, don't, or my, whoever's my parental person do, doesn't care about me. They're not engaged with me. They're out of touch. 
Can I just say, you got to get into their space. If you're going to win their heart, you got to get into their space. I used to feel like I did that so much easier, but as I get older, I'm like, gosh, did I used to do this stuff? Right? Maybe it's harder and harder, and it takes more intentionality. So we, we want to raise them up. And then, and then lastly, we, want, we don't want to exasperate them. Instead, we want to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Meaning you have to let your kids know who God is. you got to let them know who he is to you. Um, there, there is a thought today that says, well, I don't want to push my beliefs on my kids. Really? You know, an actual study has been done that if you instruct your kids and tell them what's morally right, it creates less frustration and anxiety. That's not a biblical study. And even though that your morality may not be okay, that that wasn't the goal of the study. The goal of the study was to see what happens when you impress things upon your kids and what kind of response does that create on the inside of them. It brings up security when a parent says, hey man, this is, this is how we roll. The sad part is a lot of times we can point them in the wrong direction. But how much more for us who have the truth of the word of God in relationship with the living God. The Bible's very clear, man, you are to impress these things on your children. And let this be for generation upon generation upon generation. Let's instruct them. Let's guide them. in. Man, talk, talk about God everywhere you go. Write it on the doorpost. As you're walking down the street. Just let them know. Talk about your life with them. Share your testimony and your testimonies of what God is doing. Sometimes we'll just sit around at home because we don't compartmentalize our family. Our girls are on mission with us. We don't do church and we do home and then, and then we kind of do, you know, this over here. No, no, this is just, we're, we're one family that's on mission together. So we sit around with our kids. We're like, hey, girls, man, got to pray with some people today. God's changing lives. Thanks for coming to three services. Oh, Dad, you should have saw we had conversations too. We're, and so we just share, like, we're in this together. And we want to share the wins. We want to share the highlights with them. We try to keep the drama away from them a, li- a little bit right now. But as they get older, we're going to invite them into the drama. Church is messy. It's tough. People are hurting. They'll hurt you. They'll talk about you. But God is faithful. Sometimes I think, you know, remember, the world is going to shepherd our kids. There's no boundaries for them. So we got to be even that much more intentional and say, man, we're going to have those conversations. You know how many times I sit down with my kids? There was one time recently that I, I came in just super hot. It was bedtime. They weren't listening. I just came in and I, I'm training you tonight. And Jackie was like, you came in way too hot. And then Hannah, poor Hannah, she's four years old, but I expect her to live up to a nine-year-old standard. Like, how come you, like, uh, every, all the room's clean except Hannah's like, Hannah, clean your room. Hannah's like, what? I'm like, sorry, so sorry. I forgot you're four. You know what I mean? And so what do I do, man? I get down and meet her on her eyes and just apologize. Man, daddy's so sorry. Hey, girls, I came in super hot tonight. I'm so sorry. And, and there's a song, Coming In Hot. So my girls will tell me, like, Dad, you coming in hot tonight. <laughs> and and you, know, you know why? Because I'm tired. But it's not their fault I'm tired. They got to get the best of me. They got to get the best of us. So we've got to share our life with them. We've got to pray for them. We've got to fast for our kids. And we've got we to really live what we say we believe. I'm going to tell you what, man, my kids know. They get to see me behind the scenes all the time. And Jackie. And I always ask myself, is the person on the stage, like, or this is, this, is, this is the prayer. I heard this a long time ago, and this has been my prayer. Lord, I want to be a better dad off the platform, a better pastor at home than I am on the platform. Because I want my kids to be like, oh, my dad is so for real. Like, that is totally my dad. Because one of the things that will, will frustrate them the most is a hypocritical life. Oof, that puts such a bad, I can't wait to get out of church. I can't wait to get out of this house. You fake people. Train up a child in the way they should go. So let me tell you how we deal with this. The gospel is the key. Gospel is the key. We're infinitely flawed yet infinitely loved in Jesus. How many of you guys are grateful for that? And so when we're over-disciplining, we're over-disciplining, 
What's happening? We can't stand for them to be imperfect. You ever seen that dad at the sports park? Are you serious? For real? What are you? Are you in the other field? The kid's just like, gosh. And in his heart, he's saying, shh. He's probably saying a lot of things. But he just is like, and his friend's like, oh, man, it's all good. Just. And what that dad is doing is saying, you're representing me. I need you to be great because I don't feel great. Because I'm trying to find my identity and live my life through my kids and put a trip on them that only God can fill. And so it crushes them. Right? And then on the other token, on the other token, if, if I'm like always like, oh, it's okay. It's just nurturing and counsel. A lot of times it's because I need approval. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want you to be mad at me. Be mad at your mom. Let her be the bad guy. Can I just tell you, if you have a bad guy and a good guy in your home, it's poor parenting. And we joke about it sometimes. It's poor parenting. Moms, you should be disciplining and nurturing, counseling. Dads, you should be doing both. You should be on the same team. They'll find a loophole. They will find a loophole. Dad, so I always ask, you talk to your mom about this? Hey, Dad, come here. It's like... I already know that. I, I, I know that language, Dad. Come over here. Don't tell Mom. Shh. Come on. I was just wondering. <laughs> I was just wondering. He's just wondering. You wonder if I can get over on your mom. And so, so if, if, I'm, if, I'm too, if I'm too possessive, then normally it's I need to be needed because I'm not finding my validity in Christ. It's almost like this. No, I need you to stay. Otherwise, single parent, I'm going to be by myself you to be close. I don't want to be alone. And Jesus is like, you're not. And then some are like, you can't leave me here with your father. You're staying close. It's just going to be us by ourselves. It's like, yeah, God wants to do something in your marriage. But you got to invite Jesus in. If you just want to push him out, just get him out. Independent. I got my own problems. I want to live my own life. The gospel comes in and the Lord's like, hey, listen, you think that's what you need for comfort, but you're just super selfish. So let me point you back to the cross, how uncomfortable he became for you, how he entered into your world when he was living in eternity and utter bliss and satisfaction, but in selflessness stepped out of heaven in a bodily form, taken on the form of a man, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's a very uncomfortable mission. And the gospel says, yeah, and we're called to do the same. So the gospel is the key. The gospel is really what, what helps us to know the difference. See, the, the principle of the fulcrum is to know what season that we're in. I, I don't know if I said this earlier, but we're, we're never going to find balance. You ever find a home that's just like, we found the bubble. Don't move. We're even. Now, if we're hanging portraits... Yeah, but we're dealing with people. And so the principle of the fulcrum is just a creative way of saying be led by the Holy Spirit because there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit comes and says, I need you to train in this season. And it looks like it's going to fall over, but then the Holy Spirit comes as a counterweight and says, I got you. I need you to focus on training your kids. And you invest like this this week. And then it'll be maybe like this, hey, you need to invest in your marriage. What about my kids? They're going to be fine. They need to see a healthy marriage. They need to see healthy relationships. Right? Oh, oh, so I'm a single parent. I, I, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I, I, hey, listen, this, right, this week I just need you to lean into a little bit more instruction. They need your time. They need your face. It's been a long week. You haven't been able to spend much time. I know you're exhausted. But just trust me. You don't have to do everything. Just lean into this area for this moment. And so it's just knowing our kids, knowing the season that we're in, and inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us. That we wouldn't create an environment that's exasperating. None of us like that environment. God doesn't create that environment for us. It doesn't intend for us to create that for our children. And I'm out of time. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you so much that you've called us for such a time as this. There's some dads and some moms in here right now that are just feeling like, oh, man, I'm blowing it. It's okay. 
There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Can I tell you, it's not too late. So my kids are grown. It doesn't matter. You can still repent to them. You can still apologize. You can still say, man, I, we, we missed some things. Can I just tell you what happens in that moment? You'd be surprised what God can restore in the amount of years that were stolen. Maybe it's with your kids, they're getting older, you just feel like, man, we've got a lot of unhealthy rhythms. Well, that's okay. It's time to build some new ones. Maybe you're a little heavy on the hand. You're like, man, I'm just, okay, well, it's time to learn how to be nurturing. Talk to them, get into their world a little bit. Maybe you're overly nurturing because you really need them to like you. And the Lord is saying, no, it's time to be a parent. You need to teach them and train them. or They're going to lose out here. We're not just parenting for now, we're parenting for later. So Lord, I pray that we would see all of this in light of how you treat us through the lens of the gospel. And that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would help us to engage in the fight. We've been a little distant. God, just help us to re-engage again. If we've been doing really well, just help us to stay the course. But God, ultimately, we need you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Heal our hearts, God, so that we would lead well. Lord, let us not lead out of wounds. I don't want to lead that way. But help us to love them, serve them, care for them. Even when they fail, even when we're not seeing eye to eye, Lord, help us to to bear that fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because we're not just parenting for the moment. We're parenting for the whole life, for their whole life, for later, not just for now. And so help us with this, I pray. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.